Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Yenishmas, Ruzlin Bas, Chalchana Vezra, Shimon Ben Yitzchak, and Masha Bas Yitzchak. In the schus of somebody, someone is on the Elam Emes, Someone is in the world of truth. When we down here on this world, the mundane world, dedicate to a mitzvah, learn teda, <coughs> in memory of their neshama, we don't see physically anything happening, obviously. But Lamaila above sometimes they even ask why why is this being done for you what did you do to deserve that this be done for you to which the Shama doesn't have to answer and the question it's not exactly what we call a question without an answer. However, it is a fact that one needs to dig into, to delve into, and to understand. Even more so, how the Nisham is actually affected by the actual mitzvah, by the actual dvartera. But the actual concept of a person hearing this Dvartera and gaining from it. Do we gain from a Dvartera? When we hear words of Tera, do we actually gain from it? fact is, Kalam Lamed bin Chavere Gilad Anyone teaches person is as if they gave birth to them. And we know from Pirkeavis that even if it's one letter or two letters, as the Tavar Melech said, considering his Rebbe, even though he taught him only so little, Acher, unfortunately, was one of the sages that went up to Paradis. When they went up to Paradis, the four of them, each one came back with a different result. Acher did not do farewell. It says also that Acher saw a father sending a child to do the mitzvah Shiduach HaKan Shiduach HaKain sending away a mother bird and the child went up into the tree to do it and as he was doing it he fell out of the tree and died to which he had a major problem both those mitzvahs Kabbalah Sevicha Vesimecha and Shiduach HaKain both mitzvahs 
commentator specifically says, you'll be blessed with longevity. And yet here, this child died from it. And this set him off. According to Deus, that he became a total apicurus. However, he remained the teacher of Remeyer. And we've told the story before, Remeyer used to walk with him, learning, and even on Shabbos, Achim would ride on a horse, and Remeyer would obviously walk side by side, not to leave his teacher for a moment, not to miss a moment of learning. As they were walking on Shabbos afternoon, suddenly Acher stopped and said, Mayor, stop. You can't walk any further because it's already the Tchum Shabbos. They, as they were walking and learning, and imagine that Mayor did not just learn simple facts, they must have been very deep Torah thoughts. As they were walking, he was still counting the footsteps of the horse. In order that the mayor shouldn't walk past the Tchum Shabbos, the boundary of far a person is allowed to walk on Shabbos, and there's no houses. Ultimately, <coughs> when he passes away, but it says the mayor stood by his grave and prayed that he be forgiven. And prayed long enough until a cloud of smoke came out of the grave in which they knew that he was now allowed into Gehenim. Being allowed into the purgatory, he now was able to at least cleanse his Avedis. Until that point, he was in Klafakela. He was not here nor there. So now, he was allowed into Gehenim and he was allowed to start doing Teshuvah. So we see therefore the prayer of a person, and the mitzvahs of, our, of what we do in this world, whether it's saying Kaddish for the person, or whatever it might be, does a tremendous amount for the Neshama Tehira. Although the Neshama Tehira is pure spirituality, the Neshama Tehira is part of God Himself, but until the Neshama Tehira doesn't come down to this world, it can't learn Tehira, it can't do mitzvahs. The Tehira was given to us, as we learned last week in last week's Parsha, on Har Sinai, it was brought down onto this world, and given to us as people, the Shabbos Beguf, souls in a body, so that we can accomplish with it what we can. Pash Mishpatim still was said as well in Sinai, and that's why it starts Ve'edah Mishpatim. Just like the Ten Commandments were said, so is this Pasha. Down to earth mitzvahs. Down to earth commandments. Down to earth behavior between person and another.
we wonder always because it's the nature of the beast we always wonder when someone does a favor when someone smiles when someone reaches out when someone tries to be good or to be nice or to be helpful what's their ulterior motive what is it they're going to want from me what does they want from me now? Why? Me. Some of us have been blessed throughout our lives with goodness and kindness. Growing up in normal homes. Not experiencing any difficulties throughout life. Marrying, having children, moving on in life having money always, never have to worry. Then there are those of us that unfortunately have to dance through many hoops, have much water, mayim rabim, flooding them. And never get that equal opportunity never get that extended hand there were people that were nice to them sometimes that were good to them they did see some kindness but yet Unfortunately, it was outweighed by darkness. And therefore, <coughs> they lose almost their faith in the goodness, in kindness. And they wonder each time when someone does extend the goodness and kindness, what is it? How do I eat it? How do I absorb it? How do I accept it? Or should I? Or am I better off backing away? Am I better off avoiding it? Feels right. Feels good. But the suffix, the amalek, the doubt factor always rattles in the back of our minds. And we tend to wonder, we tend to wander and wonder. We have second thoughts, recourses. And we sometimes even say to ourselves, maybe I shouldn't accept. Maybe I shouldn't accept gifts from them, I shouldn't accept the, the emotion they're giving me, the time they're giving me, the love they're giving me, the care they're giving me, maybe I should just throw it all away. I'm just starting to feel that it almost feels right. That it almost feels where I belong. 
and you get all of a sudden this shaking, racking, rocking, racking doubt, telling you maybe you should just step back. Step away. Maybe there's something here that's not what you should be having. Or maybe I just don't deserve it. Our Pasha starts off, Eila Mishpatim, with the myriad of mitzvahs that it has, Kisikne Eved Ivri. When you one will purchase a Jewish slave, Sheishanim Yaved, they should work for you six years and on the seventh they go out free. First of all, why does the terrorist start off kisikna when you will purchase the slave? Could have started off an avid ivri, a Jewish slave, works for six years, and the seventh year goes out free. What is the relevance of writing when one purchases? In our parasha we find many different dinim. When a person hurts, hits another person, makke ish vameis. It doesn't say vichiyake as ish, if a person will hit then the one that hits such and such the din says a person hit another person. Why start with kisikna? Rashi, the champion of the Benchamish Mikra, Pshutish Mikra, translates as follows. Takes the words kisikne eved ivri. Now it's also important to know that when Rashi uses the whole dibra maskel, dibra maskel, the whole dibra maskel is relevant. In other words, the heading of the Rashi. And Rashi uses the words kisikne eved ivri, eved shehu ivri, a servant that's a Jew. Correct Rashi, Rashi asks, Oy, ain't I, maybe that's not the case. El Avdeshalivri, the slave of a Jew. Evet Kanani, Shalakhtam Israel. If you purchased an Evet Kanani, a non Jewish slave, from a Jew. The Olavu, amen, that's who's talking about Sheshanam Yahweh, and she worked for six years. What am I going to? How do I establish this? You will practically inherit them. You take from a guy. If you take it from a guy, it's yours always. But if I buy a non-Jewish slave from a Jew, she go out after six years. Talmud Leima, Pasik says, Ki It says, Your brother will sell for you the Jew, Talking about only when it comes to your own brother. 
Rashi therefore is trying to translate what is Eved Ivri. The intention means an Ivri, an Ivri, a Jew, not a Jew, a non-Jew bought from a Jew. <coughs> if that's the case, Rashi would only need to put in the title of the Rashi Eved Ivri, because that's what he's trying to translate Eved Ivri. What is a Jewish servant? Why does he add the words Kisikna when you will purchase? <coughs> it doesn't fit. A bigger question. He should have excluded and at length the explanation Eved Ivri excluding Eved Knani a non-Jew why does he have to go through this whole lengthy explanation Eved Ivri means an Eved Ivri a Jewish slave why do you think he has to exclude a non-Jewish slave there we go And the question gets better, or bigger, or stronger. Rashi opens his explanation, Eved Ivri, and says, Eved Shehu Ivri, a servant who's a Jew. Which means to say, Alter Rashi understood that that's a simple explanation. Straight to the point. You look at it, and that's what it means. <coughs> What's Eved Ivri? A Jewish slave. What throws in the doubt and the question over here of it not being a Jewish slave, but rather being a non-Jewish slave from a Jew, owned by a Jew? Perhaps we can explain. When the Jews left Egypt, they were told, go to your neighbors and ask them for gold and silver, jewelry, etc., all different riches. And they were very, very wealthy. The Egyptians chased them with 600 horse chariots. The chariots were decorated with diamonds and gold and silver and cult of silver. Tremendous amounts. It's very, very expensive, high-end stuff. Only from, uh, not from Macy's, from uh, the big places, what are they called? And they drowned. And when they drowned, it was all spit out to the border of the, to the beach of the Amsaf. And the Eden were there to pick everything up. So it says that they retrieved there more than they retrieved in the whole leaving of Egypt. 
So, the question is, what is the financial status of the Jew? Financial status of the Jews, at that time, they were very, very wealthy. Very, very wealthy people don't sell themselves as slaves. person sells themselves when they're destitute and they have nothing and they need to pay or they need to have whatever it might be they sell themselves or the other way a person gets sold is heaven forbid they stole and they got caught as well they get sold so the question begs to ask. Seriously? This very, very wealthy status the Jews were in at the time, a person sold themselves because they needed the money? Or did a person steal because they needed money? They lacked nothing. We therefore can understand and connect how Eila Mishpatim comes immediately after Matantera. A very, very short time after leaving Egypt and the spitting of the, of the sea. It would therefore beg to explain and naturally dictate the laws being given now were laws that were relevant for the person's, for the people's status at the moment. In that case, why are you going so far-fetched and talking about one selling themselves because they're destitute, they have no money? Or they're stealing because they have no money? You're talking to a very, very wealthy community at the moment. Therefore, Rashi begins Evet Ivri and explains it's a Jewish servant. Nobody in that generation, standing there at that time, could fathom a person becoming so poor they would need Rahman al to sell themselves. And therefore, to say that a Jewish slave, it made no sense to them. So they have to try to find, it must be, they have to bring logic to this whole story. And the most logical choice was, it must be referring to a Jewish owner that sells a non-Jewish slave. We see in the Ten Commandments of the Chavah Moscha, servants, maid servants. 
So it means they obviously had this. They all had servants and slaves. Welcome aboard. I'd like to give a hearty mazel tov to our extended family in Atlanta for the engagement of their daughter. Shemeshatev mitzlachas, bin adiyad. And I will continue back to the shit. <laughs> Thank you, I mean. Whoops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so therefore, Rashi, However, Rashi, even though, explains the words Eved Ivri, to mean that the Jew himself, the servant himself, was a Jew. So now we need to explain, this is the intention of Rashi. What is the word Kisikna involved here? What does it mean that he purchased? Ki, the word Ki, has many different explanations to it. But here, it's as will be, Sikne, telling us that the person will purchase what? An Evidivri. Sikne is in the future, when you will purchase. And therefore, Rashi says, right now, if I told you Evid Ivri works six years and the seventh year goes out free, you would say, what's an Evid Ivri? How does one become an Evadivri? We only have servants of non-Jews. We ourselves are all wealthy people. So what does that mean? How do you connect the words Evid and Ivri? A Jew and a slave. It doesn't work together. It doesn't jive. Therefore the word Sikna, in the future you will purchase something that's a concept beyond our understanding today. How unfortunately such a thing will or could happen. Therefore, the Jew being a slave. Although it's a far fetched idea and far fetched thought. But it's not talking about a non Jewish servant which was a present state, the present case being at the time. We still have a little bit of a question. The way we're explaining this, Kisikne, purchase, as you will purchase, in the words of Rashi, and Eved Ivri, which was a non-existent concept, a Jew becoming a slave, So therefore, now when you hear it, it's a question that blew your mind. What does that mean? Why does the Pasuk start with that? Why does Mishpatim, immediately after Matan Tera, the first thing thrown in our face that we're going to become poor and we're going to have slaves? We're going to be sold as slaves, sell ourselves as slaves. Something that is so far-fetched and non-existent.
He also talks about an Ivory that was sold because he stole and was caught. Couldn't pay it back. What is this person? We need to get a little bit of the, more of a picture to learn about this thief. Needs to pay back double, four, or five. And if he doesn't have what to pay back, he gets sold as a slave. All these introductions are only explained later. So it would be more befitting for the Pasuk to talk about on the, the laws of an Evet Ivri only after all the other explanations of the Tater the that's going to go on in the, in the henceforth of the Pasha. What was Rashi's, what was the Pasha to Rush? What, rush, what was the Tater's Rush? The first things first, talk about, right after Hasinai, the Din of the Jewish Servant. So therefore comes Rashi, the champion of the explanation. When the Din Evadivri <coughs> it gives us a special connection to being on Har Sinai. Rashi explains a little later if the servant says, I don't want to leave, I like it here, I like the family I've been given, etc. His ear is brought to the doorpost and it's pierced. Why the ear? The Bechon of Zakai says, this ear that heard on the Mount Sinai on a very short time back do not steal and he stole or if he sold himself because he needed money he also heard God says, you're my slaves. Why are you going and getting yourself a new master? Therefore, the ear is pierced because you did not hear right, you did not listen right. And therefore the Pasuk starts off with the first din, Evadivri. It shows us openly and clearly what we didn't find in other psukim. Also in the mainstay, main frame physically. How does this possible? A continuation of Matan Torah that was given to us on Har Sinai. The ear that heard should make sure it hears the right things. If one does so, we don't have to pierce his ears, we don't have to pull him by his ears. Therefore, Torah begins Tafka with this. But we don't pierce the ear until after six years. 
when he says he doesn't want to leave. So it's a late, it's a punishment on a much later scale. But the mere fact that he did to begin with, he got himself into this predicament, if he would have listened to what happened in Hasinai, and would have made himself an Eved Ivri, a Jewish servant to the main master of the universe, to Akadosh Baruch he wouldn't have gotten into the predicament to begin with. Therefore, Terror starts off with this scenario of Kisikne Eved Ivri. to fix this spiritual wound or lack or mishap making also a physical one that everyone now sees and therefore the slave of the servant is the one that's punished according to Chassidus Eved Ivri symbolizes the need for one to become subservient to HaKadosh Baruch One needs to totally, everything we do, physically, spiritually, mentally, needs to be done for God. And that's why the Torah starts off with the Eved Ivri telling us the service that our Veda, the Ruchniyastik Veda of a Jew, after Matan is to bind themselves, Gashmias and Ruchniyast, Yidusha, and to do, and to make Dira Betachtenim in this world. And there is no other option or no other way that a person should connect or should try to bring themselves to therefore one needs to be very sensitive with their fellow Eved who is an Eved to God as just as they are and one needs to be very sensitive to one's feelings to one's thoughts and we end up always with the biggest question of the parsha, the biggest question of our <coughs> behavioral existence in the world of Akarasatev, recognition of good to recognize and to appreciate 
and to reach out and to accept and to embrace. And we tend to sometimes not understand and not realize how our father Avinu Sheba Shemayim in his benevolence and his loving and his caring actually reaches out actually connects and attaches himself and we attach we, looks for us to attach ourselves to him we know that one of the worst things we could do to somebody is to embarrass them Pirkei the mission says if one whitens the face of another person out of embarrassment they drain the blood from the person's face they have no world to come it's irrelevant what the person did irrelevant how right you think you are how smart you think you are how strong you think you are how whatever powerful connected politically whatever you might be whoever you might be one may not embarrass somebody else in public and the punishments are beyond what happens if you have an opportunity to embarrass somebody and you don't the scale tips the other way just as the adverse results of God forbid embarrassing somebody so too if you come to a situation where you're going to embarrass somebody and you don't your reward is that much greater years ago a Yid came to London on an Arab Shabbos and he went to the famous Rav Khuna Khuna Halprin and he said to Rav Khuna I have a beautiful voice and I would like to have Musaf the Shabbos in your show Khuna said I'll be honest with you this Shabbos one of our wealthier constituents of the shul the spalding of the shul has Yotzai this upcoming week and asked them those have a custom Shulonach brings it down actually Chabad we don't do it they have Musaf the Shabbos before the Yotzai since he has Yatsa and it's coming week, he asked Dav Musaf. Khana said, I'll tell you the truth. If you want, go to him. Talk to him. If he's ready to give it to you, I have no problem. No. Our Chazan, Shtevis Chazan, we all know, um, went to the rich man immediately. And told him his plight. He came here. I'm here in London. I have a beautiful voice, like a canary. I have. A, I used to have two people choir in Poughkeepsie, and I want to daven Musa for the Amid in the show. But I understand you have your outside. But you know, listen. I, I have a. I really don't want to miss the opportunity. The rich man looked at him strangely. Wanted to tell him where to get off the boat. Says, but I have Yatsait. 
He says, I understand. I'm not pulling any kind of card on you. I'm not telling you you have to. I'm, I'm asking. This man wanted to give him a slap in the face and send him flying. But you know what he says? Not going to do that. The guy asked the third time. He said to him, okay, I'll be mevater. I'll let you down. I'll step down. Thank you so much. And one more thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have such a beautiful voice. When I dive in somewhere, they pay me. So, I hear you're the rich man of the community. I would ask you to please pay me for my musaf. <laughs> you gotta have guts. Or no sekel. Well, the rich man wanted to ream them out and, and send them packing. The rich man said, let me entertain the poor fellow. He said, how much, pray tell, do you want to be paid? So he told him, 200 pounds is what I get for a musaf. Whoa, back then it was, was a substantial amount of money. The rich man wanted to tell the guy to get off. Sorry, he wanted to tell him where to get off. He wanted to tell him where to go. Are you nuts, mister? Are you, are you crazy? Not enough, you're taking away my musaf. And that, you want to get paid for it? I should pay you 200 pounds? The rich man said, you know what, I got into this predicament, it's over my years, I'm not saying a word. And he gave him the 200 pounds. No. It's not a minute by most Jews, but sometimes people tend to do these things. Out of Shabbos after Chatzais, you don't usually do any business. The man felt I wasn't doing business, I'm just checking my stocks so I can go into Shabbos with a good heart. And he opened up his portfolio of stocks and he looked and he saw that the value of his stocks tripled. Remember, this is a wealthy man. And the value of his stocks tripled. And he attributed this to the fact that he controlled himself and didn't tell the guy what he wanted to tell him, where to get off, etc. He attributed to that fact that a God paid him back immediately for that deed of refraining from embarrassing a person. So as we said, embarrassing a person is beyond detrimental. Having an almost case of of doing so and not doing so the pendulum swings the other way but in a way higher level one of the many mitzvahs of the Pasha is when you see the donkey of your friend and we've said this before actually The word of the Vashemta where he says the donkey being the Guf Gashmi, the Khumri, which is the enemy, and it's underneath, it's buried. 
deep down, we have an obligation to go out, to reach out, and to help. So if a person has any kind of capacity to help a fellow Jew, it's an obligation of the Teda Az of Tazavimli. It's important, obviously. It would be nice, at least, not important. That one doesn't have to make the other person feel that I'm doing this because it's a mitzvah of the Teda, and that's why I'm helping you. They're helping you because of Avis Yisrael, I love you, I love you unconditionally, and therefore I have no, I expect nothing in return, I'm going to help you. This is what the Teda implies. And when we cooperate with one another in such a way, in such a generation, One should read, as the Altarebbe writes in the Geras HaTshuva, in our generation, generations, where the people are that much weaker, and therefore repentance is not ideally done through fasting and breaking the chaymer, breaking the donkey within us, Therefore, for the most part, it gets redeemed with charity. So the weakening of the generations is not something we chose to do. And therefore, it's God's message to us that this is how it has to be in this generation. It has to be done through simcha tuv levov, a good, happy, healthy body, strong, not through fasting, not through torturing oneself. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the strength to fix all that's needed to be fixed and the sins the various not necessarily through chasushom, pain, torture, etc. but rather all should be fixed with menucha, simcha, briya peace of mind, tranquility, joy, and full health. <clears throat> so they could make up the spiritual and have a sound and healthy body. I don't remember who the story was with. A fellow told, I don't know if we have the name of the person actually, he says that he was in Rahman al Hospital in Hashanah. And what they did was they took all the patients to one room, obviously before COVID, and they blew to the Shafer. 
This is in Israel. And I believe we told the story before. There was one Jew, uh, non-affiliated, air quotes, that was there for the Kiyashef as well. Whether or not he put on a Shefa, a yarmulke, whether or not he answered, I mean, irrelevant. After the Shefa was blown, he says, Rabbi Sai, Shimon, Rabbi Sai, I want to tell you a story. I worked in submarines in Israel. And in submarines, there's no phone on ship. So I had, I was the one that was in charge of the Morse code. Morse code is dots and lines and whatever. There's no words. And there's a system to it to figure out the first letter, the second letter, two rings, three rings, a dot, a dash, a long ring, whatever it was. <laughs> if you don't succeed at first, try and try again. You try the house phone, then you try the cell phone. Anyway, he says that when I retired from the submarine, I was looking for this, for that, a job, and suddenly I saw an advertisement that said they're looking, the army, navy, whatever it is, is looking for somebody that's an expert in Morse code, and they need them to run points, shall we say, on a bunch of ships. They'd be based on land, and they'd be able to be sending out most codes or getting most codes from the ships. Submarines. So the interview was from 9 till 12. He showed up in the interview at 11.50, 10 minutes before 12. comes into a packed room. Everybody just sitting there. Fidgeting, so they must be sitting there for quite a while. And there's beautiful music playing. And he finds a corner, there's no chairs, he finds a corner, and he's standing there, standing there, listening to this beautiful music, with a beautiful rhythm, beat, etc. Suddenly, he starts to walk towards the door. Not the door out, the door in. He starts to walk towards the place where the interviewer is sitting. And they said, where are you going? He said, I'm going in for an interview. Everybody's screaming, ah, we're here before you. Bam, bam, bam. The person's trying to stop him from going in. He says, excuse me, I'm going in. And practically forced his way in. And the person, the interviewer, says, excuse me, I didn't call your name. Does he even have to call my name? I was listening to the music, and it has a beat. So I was listening to the beat, and the beat said, 
If you're here for the job, come inside now and get the interview. So I came in. Needless to say, they were very happy and they hired him on the spot. P.S. He says, therefore, the Schaefer is telling you also, come in. Come in, join us. Come in to Tshuva. Come in, become one of us. So that we can unite and go to the Geul Amit Hashem of the Karav Mamish. Amen, can you They said, that's so profound. They said, let me tell you something more. After I came out, the guy says, okay, we have the, we have our candidate, we have our person, we're hiring him. Everybody started to scream and to yell and to complain. We had before him, he didn't take us in. <laughs> and the man, the interviewer says, listen, he understood the, the Morse code message. The Morse code message read, if you're interested in the interview, come inside now. Don't ask questions. Open the door and come in. So he says, so he tells him, so somebody else says, excuse me, I also heard the message. So you heard the message, why don't you come in? Says nobody else is going in, I'm not going in also. That's why he didn't go in. Although he heard the message as well. So this man says the same thing here. You can't be fast you can't miss the boat. The chef is calling. We need to follow. To go. We need to persevere. This is therefore the message that we take from our parsha telling us the door is open. We just need to take it, turn the doorknob, and go in. Whether it's purchasing a Jewish slave, whether it's controlling the animal in you so that it doesn't hurt somebody else, anything else of the sort we need to seize the opportunity take the bull by the horns and all these other mitzvahs opening a ditch we need to be careful and we need to take consideration a fellow Jew and this is what he finishes off towards the end of the parashah Don't serve God, forbid any idol worship. Only God Himself, and this way will be blessed. And the Hesir, 
And I will take away any illnesses, ailments from you. And then he goes on to say, Shouldn't be any barren women, and I will fill your days, the amounts of days you have. Saying, continuing how the enemies will go, will dissipate before us. All this imtasiratzeni, if you do what I want. So why does it say they see a kora bar in your land? Anywhere we do God's will, this blessing should take place. Why does this exclude Aveda Zara serving idol worship? The blessing of the bread and such a guarantee and such a promise. So this blessing that's given to us is given from above. But we could, God forbid, somehow deter it. And not allow it to come in. This is the difference between a blessing and a promise. And therefore the reward for refraining from any kind of idol worship is only a blessing. But doing my bidding doing what God asks us to do on the Vedas Hashem this is a guarantee so the reward of doing God's will not only to the person to the land to Yisrael to continue in his promise and to say only in Yisrael and not Chutzlaretz but it means this promise is not just on the person, but also on the land, the physical land. So doing God's bidding changes the nature of the land itself to which we walk. And thereby, the maskala and the maskala and akara are excluded here. All lands, especially in the Tzisrael, when Jews do according to the bidding of God, With this, we will have the ultimate revelations that as a soul throughout the world, and we will be the nation that's been chosen, and will be Kiarchiv Hashem Elikecha Ezkvulcha in the time of Gula Mitzvah Shtemai De Meshach Tzikeno, Pedev Yameno Karev Mamish, this Shabbos Shabbos Varchem Other, Mishanichnas Other Marim Besimcha, Mir Hashem, next week, Tuesday and Wednesday, Rishchedish. And therefore, we will talk next week, Wednesday, about Rishchidosh, other about the month of other, the two others, 60 days of Simcha. Stand by. Right now, this Shabbos, we shall find ourselves in Shabbat Mirakhidosh, the Mashiach, the Kainu, the Mahedev, the Amen.